Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 299 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's show, friends, is sponsored by the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. This is the meter my daughter uses. It is incredibly accurate, easy to carry around. And if you go to the link right now that's in your show notes or the one that's at juiceboxpodcast.com and click on it, it will take you to contournextone.com. When you get there, top right corner, there's a yellow button. It says about getting a free meter. Click on it. Scroll down a little bit, fill out a little bit of information, and you're on your way. There are some limitations and restrictions that apply, but it'll only take you a second to find out if you're eligible. And if you're not, go to your doctor and be like, yo, I want to try the Contour Next One. Write me a prescription for that. Think about it. How long have you had that meter that you're using? Is it old? Is it out of date? Is there technology that exists that's better than the one you're carrying around right now? I bet you there is, and I bet you it's the Contour Next One. Welcome back to another episode of Ask Scott and Jenny. This is sort of a supersized episode. What are we going to talk about today? Among other things, how to help yourself coming back from a high blood sugar. When should you adjust your basal and bolus rates? Different types of insulin. The impact diabetes can have on your dental health, which sounds boring, but isn't. And Jenny talks about insulin pumps. She kind of rates them. It's fun. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and always consult a physician before making any changes to your health care plan or becoming bold with insulin. And if you'd like to get Jenny Smith working for you, go to integrateddiabetes.com and click on Jenny's email address. Actually, the email address is in the show notes. It's at juiceboxpodcast.com on this episode and all of the episodes that Jenny's involved in. So you just want to email Jenny and say something like, hey, Jenny, I'd like to hire you. And then you'll start that conversation with her. All right, you guys ready? Here it comes. Dun, dun. It's going to jump up now. Dun. Ready? I have an Ask Jenny question. My wife met somebody recently who said that their adult child lived for a fairly long time with higher elevated blood sugars, higher A1C. They kind of pulled themselves together all at once out of nowhere, got it come to come down quickly, but then had like neuropathy problems that the doctor told them was from a fast drop. I'd love you to explain that to me because I had only heard that one other time, but not even put that way. And from the physiology standpoint, I mean, I'm certainly not a uh, neurologist or anything to explain it from the physiology component, but it's the same as I think not not long ago we had talked about um, changes in eye as well mm-hmm. with really fast changes in blood sugar. So it's the same thing. It's your body has adapted to the high values, and as such, the neuropathy if it was probably there as well as probably getting worse along the time of the blood sugars being too high. Now with the quick change in blood sugar, um, the change to how the sensation of those nerves are, I guess, feeling things Mm -hmm. because of the change in the glucose level, which has been impacting the health of the nerve cells, that's what brings on a more significant and more profound pain than they may have been living with when their blood sugars were just high. 
So it's a, um, a bit of a false narrative then. Then the quick, it, yeah, it was coming anyway. It might have just come a little quicker because you took this thing that your body was accustomed to and, and so greatly changed it. And greatly changed so, it, exactly. So if I'm diagnosed today with an 11 and I somehow end up with a, a five two months from now, I'm not going to give myself neuropathy. No, 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 right. no. The neuropathy was there to begin with. Mm -hmm. The pain symptoms were something that were exacerbated essentially because of the major shift in glucose um, that the body was not used to. Again, it, it, I mean, it does take some time to bring blood sugars down and, you know, more power to the person who was like, gosh, I can't live with, you know, 400 yeah. blood sugars anymore. I'm going to get them down to be like 150 now instead. But still, that's a major shift for the body to handle. Mm -hmm. um, if you do it all at once, great, but you you may have some of those typical symptoms. Like again, you may have a major shift in, in the way that you see things. You may think that you were seeing things great when your blood sugar was at 300, and now when it's down in normal, now you can't see anything. Well, you have to give your, time, your body time to acclimate to that new, what is healthy value, and then go see the eye doctor if it doesn't if it doesn't get better, you know, within like a month or so of, of being in target, same thing with the neuropathy, <clears throat> while it may help to go and see, um, you know, your neurologist or whoever's helping you to manage that, mm -hmm. likely they're not going to change too much other than p potentially maybe prescribing some additional pain management mm -hmm. strategy for you until the glucose levels are stable enough at that target value. And the symptoms kind of go away or they come to a more normal, stable, um, you know, range. And at that point, then of course they're pre preventing further, further damage from happening. Yeah. So, okay. Well, I'm, I'm keeping stuff together here in a little bit of a blend. So Alenka wants to know about helping her body recover from high blood sugar. So she's just talking about, I think a day, you know, where you have six hours and you're elevated and you finally get back down. Is there something she could be doing to fortify herself to feel better sooner to like, I don't know, like other than hydration, I wouldn't know what to say. Um, like how do you make that blah go away? Yeah, I, it, it does. It takes some time. I don't think there's necessarily any one cut and dry kind of strategy. Hydration certainly mm -hmm. is a big one. A absolutely. Um, also, you know, if things like regular food intake or snacks or even activity, um, sometimes those can sort of help you clear that mental fog as things are changing to even just getting out in sometimes the fresh air and getting a walk and getting movement and whatnot can help as well. So is it less yeah. of a diabetes thing and more of just a human thing maybe because you've been put through this situation and now mm -hmm. you got to kind of bounce from it. It's like almost like, I guess like being sick and then you wake up and you're like, Oh, you have that weird, like lost feeling. I don't know what being, obviously I don't know what being high feels like. So um, I just, yeah. know, I just know people's descriptions of it. Okay. Let's see. I feel like we've said this before, but correction factors and insulin sensitivity, basal rates, when do you adjust? Like, like it used to when be. When do you know what to adjust? Yeah. Yeah. Well, when do you, when do you know when to adjust? Like, let's say, you know, it's your basal or, you know, it's your insulin to carb ratio or something like that. How long do you wait before you say to yourself, this is my new normal, I need to make an adjustment in my pump to cover this? Is it 
to me, this is another one of those, like somebody wants you to tell them how much time. Um, I, I, I don't know how to answer that. Like I know doctors will tell you what three days is that sometimes even longer than that. Some doctors want like a week's worth of data to see that it's a definitive trend. I mean, I usually, I usually say, you know, if you know that now all of a sudden, whatever reason is happening, you're waking up at 150 when you used to wake up at 100 and it's been happening in the last three nights and you have literally not changed anything, clearly something changed. So go ahead, make a change to the basal. Or if you're kind of wary about changing your profile, set a temp basal in this instance, set a temp basal increase at bedtime of a certain percent Mm -hmm. and see if it hits the mark. If you wake up where you were, great. Go in, see how much the pump was delivering based on the temp you instituted and make that change into the basal profile. Great. I would say that this is one of the things that led me to say things like more insulin because Mm -hmm. I just... I kept looking at these scenarios like Jennifer's talking about here, and I just thought there's not enough of a rhyme or reason to this that I can say to myself, okay, what I'll do is I'll wait X amount of days every time this happens. So just I just decided, like, I'm going to stay fluid, and if it's like this today and tomorrow, great, and if it changes, you know, the next day, right? what am I going to do? Right. You know, right. Um, I'm going to have to do what I have to do. Right. I mean, and sometimes it takes, I, I would say for me personally, I always look at things after like a two day, mm-hmm. you know, if it's tonight for some reason in the morning, I wake up in the morning higher than normal. Uh, and that's one night. I don't know. Let's yeah. see. I'm going to go to bed at my normal rate where I would usually go to bed. If I see a rise again overnight tonight, in the middle of the night, if I wake up, I'm probably going to pop in some change of some kind just mm-hmm. so that I don't wake up high again. Right, right. And tonight, then I'm going to say, I'm going to go in, I'm going to change my basal profile because I'm not going to deal with this, right? I'm not going to wake up to alarms and alerts if I don't have to. And you know what? If I end up dipping down then, well, then I guess it was just two nights that I needed <laughs> some extra insulin and I'll go back to what I needed. But an overall change, usually most people who've had diabetes a number of years kind of get this intuitive sort of feeling about eh, something has shifted. Mm-hmm. I, I know that something has shifted. I don't know why it shifted. I just need, quote unquote, more, more insulin. More insulin. <laughs> so let's put it in there. I genuinely think that that's, that's one of those scenarios where you just have to you just have to stay fluid and take care of it, you know, right. as it comes. Because I would rat because I know what the fear is, right? Like, what if I turn it up and then all of a sudden five days from now that causes a low? In my mind, that would be another time to adjust. And at least for the last five days, you haven't been high. Right. You know, I think it's all in the way you want to look at it. Right. Okay. Welcome to the new age of smart diabetes management. Welcome to the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. By integrating your blood glucose meter with a smartphone app, you can simplify the management of your diabetes. Your blood sugar results captured through the day can be automatically synced and logged. And over time, your results may create meaningful insights into how your activities affect your blood sugar levels, which can help improve your understanding of your diabetes. All of this while being on the same platform you use for so many other aspects of your life. Yes, smartphone. So check out ContourNextOne.com. There's links in the show notes and at JuiceBoxPodcast.com that'll take you right there. When you get there, you're going to find out about the simple-to-use and remarkably accurate Contour Next One smart meter and the Contour Diabetes app 
that seamlessly connects via Bluetooth technology to capture all of your blood sugar readings and help you to manage your diabetes smarter. When you combine the Contour Next One Meter with the Contour Diabetes app, you're going to have a smart system that allows you to engage at the level that is right for you to manage your diabetes. All right, so head into the show notes, hit the link, check it out. Some people will be eligible to get the Contour Next One Meter for free. There's a little yellow box at the top of the page. Check it out. You might be the one. Or if you'd like to talk to your doctor about the Contour Next One Meter, just be like, yo, I want to use the same meter that the guy on the podcast kid uses. And then tell them it's the Contour Next One. You will not be disappointed. This meter rocks. Please use my link. It's available at juiceboxpodcast.com. We're in the show notes of your podcast player. Okay, very quickly, I'm not going to seem to make sense when I start talking in this next bit with Jenny, but what happened was while Jenny and I were talking, Arden's pump ran out of insulin at school, and Jenny and I took a break, and I ran across the street, and we changed the pump real quick, right? So now that'll all make sense for you. Ready? In five, four, three, two. You have to be a little impressed. I'm actually really impressed. Like your school literally must be like right across the street. It's um well, it's pretty close. It really is across the street, right? It's it's a it's a four minute ride. Uh you know, she met me in the office, we rolled down to the nurse and um and bing bang boom, I'm back. So eight I think awesome. I think I was going for eighteen minutes total. So Yeah, it wasn't long, yeah. so Awesome. Next Yay. time I do an Omnipod ad and I tell you, you can swap an Omnipod fast, you believe me. We've done Ardens on the bench of a softball field. Keep the dust away for a second. That's right. <laughs> anyway. All right. I think we can get through a couple here. Okay. Um, I like this one. Tara wants to know about basal bolus ratio. So she says that her endo tells her, you know, 50-50, but then Becky comes in and says, we're 30% basal, 70% bolus, and our endo's fine with it. Um, I feel like I'm going to say if you are, are too heavy on the bolus side, you're probably bumping and nudging too much and you could probably get some back from basil. But, um, what is the, like, why do people say, well, what do you say? Cause I've heard 50, so, 50 too. 50, 50 is a starting place. It really is. Mm -hmm. And that's why endos kind of look at that as a place to start with potentially where adjustments might need to be made, but you also have to consider some other things um, from the standpoint of like metabolic basal insulin need. What I've seen in practice um, and, and seems to, you know, be kind of correct is that if you have a, a pretty active lifestyle, mm -hmm. um, metabolically, you are probably more at an appropriate body weight and you will respond to insulin better. So sensitivity will be higher. So from a standpoint of background basal insulin, your basal insulin in an active life may actually be less. You may be kind of one of those people whose basal bolus ratio is more like 40-60, 40% coming from basal because without food in the picture, your body just responds nicely to insulin. It could even be more than that. Maybe it's 35 or, you know, whatever. More commonly, though, for most active, it's about like a 40-60, give or take kind of thing. On the opposite of that, if you 
have a really busy life, but you're mostly sedentary and you really are only able to get to the gym once or twice a week, you're probably on the other end of that. You probably have a higher metabolic need because your body's just not responding as well to insulin. So your basal needs may be a lot higher and it may seem like your boluses aren't really that heavy then. Um, As far as like an analysis, another good place to look is... um, at the breakdown of your bolus insulin. Like how much of your bolus is truly derived from just covering the food that you're putting in Mm -hmm. and how much of it is actually corrective. Because if you're constantly, like you just said, if you're constantly nudging by correcting with little bits because it's just not getting down to target, it may very well be that your background is also not high enough. It could be that you're covering with more bolus because in the back, there's just not enough there to keep you. You could be using more basil. Right. And and so there's a lot of different scenarios. This is interesting. So, you know, your activity, if you were a person who didn't need very much basil to keep you stable, but you had big meals, you might even see a swing like that, right? Right, right. Right. So then there is no right ratio. There's no correct ratio. There's a correct ratio for you, but there is a way to check to make sure, hey, let's make sure that we couldn't be doing some of this with basil and take away some of that bumping and nudging. And I think that's specific right. to people who listen to the podcast. Like the bumping mm-hmm. and nudging is great, but if you're bumping and nudging and your kid puts on 10 pounds because they're growing you're going to just keep bumping and nudging when you should be thinking more basil, yeah, probably. More basil, gotcha. exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. And awesome. you're right. I mean, from the standpoint of somebody who, like, I think I commented, I don't know, when we talked a couple times before um, about Mango Man. Um, mm-hmm. He's a type one who's an expert in, like, n- nutrition. He's got, like, a PhD. I don't, I don't remember too much more about him. But he, I mean, he eats, like, hundreds of grams of carb in a day, but he's also really, really, really active. Mm-hmm. And so I would I would estimate that his basal needs are probably pretty low, yeah. but his boluses are probably fairly big given that he eats so much carb at a time yeah. and then it covers it and it drops him back down to his target and his basal holds him there until the next time he eats, you know, 200 grams of carb oh. at a sitting. Yeah. So. I, I think that that makes 100% sense. And I think that is the clarity for this question. So I think we did good yeah. there. Um, okay. So here's one that I don't know that there's any truth to this one. Um, Catherine's asking about figuring out what type of insulin they should be using. And Mm. I know that technically there's not a big difference between the insulins, right? The fast acting insulins, but some people do see differences, differences when they use them. But is there anything that we could like literally say like Humalog, Novolog, Apidra, are there FIASP? I mean, are there discernible differences between them? I mean, the FIASP obviously. There, there should be a discernible difference with FIASP. Um, If it, if you get response by using it, yes. For the most part, the two that are the most similar in action that I would say a good majority of people who've switched between Novolog, Humalog, Novolog, because now their insurance covers it. Oh, now you're covering Humalog, so let's switch you back. They usually don't notice much of a difference mm-hmm. in its action. 
There are people, however, who do notice a difference. I personally don't notice a difference between Novolog and Humalog at all. Mm-hmm. I tried a Pedra and it it didn't work the same for me okay. at all. I, I especially noticed it when I was using um, extended boluses. It just didn't have the same emphasis or work the same in an extended fashion as my Humalog normally did. Right. I've got a friend who she knows that if she's on Humalog, she uses more insulin on Humalog than if she goes back to Novolog. Mm-hmm. She knows that. Yeah. So, I, you know definitively, again, majority of people don't notice much of a difference Novolog to Humalog. I think the two outliers there, a Pedra may work a bit differently for you. Again, there are people who can use interchangeably all three, a Pedra, Novolog, Humalog, and have no difference whatsoever. Right. Um, Fiasp is kind of in its own category, really. I, I think there is, there's a definite difference mainly because its action is faster. Mm-hmm. And then there are some people, of course, with Fiasp that it works great, like me, worked for five months and it was done. It didn't want to work for me at all anymore. Oh, no, okay. Done. That's interesting. Yeah. I, you know, I would say for Arden, she's used Novolog and she's used Apidra. Um, with Novolog, we saw a ton of like double hours up, double hours down, you know, a big spike after a meal, then a crazy crash later kind of a feeling. And for Arden, I've only ever been able to explain it that a PJ appears to just work smoother for her. Like it's just more constant and it, and predictable for me. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You know, I don't know that Humalog wouldn't be better. I never tried it. Right. And, and, you know, people all the time, like, you know, don't you want to try Fiasp? And I'm like, well, I know I, what I hear about Fiasp is that it works for the people it works for and mm-hmm. others don't. And here's the other thing about crowdsourcing this information, right? It's that we don't know everybody's other details that they right. don't share with you. Like, oh, you, all you see is someone online who says, Humalog doesn't work for me. They don't say, by the way, Humalog doesn't work for me. My blood sugars are mainly in the 250s most of the time. I eat an incredibly carb-heavy diet, uh, and I don't have a CGM. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they don't give you all the details about their life. They just say something like, you know, I didn't like that television show. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you don't get yeah. enough of the details to know why. Crowdsourced information is tough sometimes because it lacks the details that you you often need. The one thing I'll say is that it can't hurt to try. You know, a reasonable endocrinologist should let you try if you want to. Right. Arden did need more Apidra than she needed Novolog. So her her ratios okay. went, went up a little bit when we switched. Mm-hmm. But like, it worked better. But it works way better. Less spiking, dropping. So, yeah. And I think that yeah. it takes evaluation. You know, if you if you have a sense that there are that there's something that just doesn't seem right, mm-hmm. ask your doctor for, you know, many doctors Samples. have some sample bottles. Um, ask them for a sample bottle of the opposite type of insulin and see if you don't get better response from it. I mean, if and if you don't notice anything different, well, then maybe something in your settings needs to change or something in your strategy needs to change, you know. Um, but at least you've tried and you've kind of addressed to see whether or not. I will just yeah. tell you that, for Arden with a Pedra, I have, I don't, I mean, double arrow in either direction. I don't remember. Like it just, nice. it just does not happen. So, um, okay. Uh, let's see. We're doing well by well. I mean, we have time left. That one seems like it's a little too much for now. <laughs> Let me, uh, 
That one's pretty obvious. That could get answered there. Oh, okay. Here's a uh, pretty simple one. What are the impacts that type one diabetes, if any, has on your dental health? Um, well, overall, we know that diabetes can affect most places in the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here, oral health included. People with diabetes more commonly have um, a, a potential for bleeding gums, more gingivitis, gum diseases, more potential for receding gums. Mm-hmm. Um And, you know, the interesting thing about it is uh, it seems to be, for the most part, the higher blood sugars, again, can cause more oral health problems. Mm -hmm. So long story, nutshell, short, just keep your blood sugars contained to try to avoid dental problems. Does it mean that everybody with diabetes is going to end up with some type of gum disease because of, you know, mismanaged blood sugars? Not necessarily, you know, but it is certainly one of the potential, I guess, complications of, of life with diabetes. Now, the interesting thing is, I mean, I have receding gums myself. Mm -hmm. I've had them for years. But the interesting thing is that, to me, I don't know how it can relate to my blood sugar control. (laughs) Because your blood sugar control is really good. It's it's good. I haven't let my blood sugars run at like 300 or 200 even, you know, for years and years. The interesting thing is that it actually started after I had kids. In fact, I didn't have my first cavity until after I had a child. And my, I asked my dentist about it actually at the time. I was like, are you sure there's a cavity there? Are you sure? Like I've never had a <laughs> cavity never happened to me before. in my whole entire life, you know? And he, he said, well, interestingly, we do know that the oral health of women during pregnancy, because of all the hormone changes, there are some things that can impact like the natural bacteria in the mouth of a pregnant woman. And so he, he said it can provide a better environment for bacteria to start causing problems. That's a technical way of saying it. Yeah. Fabulous. Let me tell you what I've witnessed in my life. Making (laughs) a baby drains the life out of you. (laughs) Just And for women, worse. Your feet get bigger. That's not a good thing. Anybody whose feet get bigger while they're pregnant, it doesn't go back. So congratulations for that one. Uh, And I just think of it as like a demon in a movie that sucks. Like, you know, when they go face to face, you can see the life pulling out of like the live person and, bringing the demon back to life. That's what happens. That's what your kids are. They're life suckers. So um, I will add this, and this isn't specifically about diabetes, but if you are bouncing around on that roller coaster and correcting a lot with sugar, especially overnight, that could impact your dental health. Absolutely. Because you're taking this juice in your mouth and then it sits in their mouth and gives them cavities. When Arden had baby teeth, and we were not good at this. I'm almost horrified to tell you that I think she had, they were all in her baby teeth, but I think she had 10 cavities one time, like all at once. And, you know, she had to, she actually had to go to the hospital to be put under because they were so worried about her blood sugar because of. we were so bad at her blood sugar back then. It, you know, like mm-hmm. like now when she goes to the dentist, I'm like, it'll be fine. I'll take care of it. You, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. Her blood sugar will be okay. But back then had to go to the hospital Insurance didn't want to cover it. Um, yeah. 
my wife's company actually stepped up and forced the insurance company to do it, which was lovely at the time. It was like a $15,000 bill to put her in the hospital to fix oh her God. teeth. It was crazy. But it was just from the juice. Now, we had it all worked out. And then one time she told me um, she was sick of the juice she was drinking. But I had found this kind of like impactful juice that wasn't, it had fairly natural stuff in it. So I switched her to something else. And in that six months, she got a cavity. And nothing had changed about it. She wasn't using a lot of juice, but that, so we switched away from that juice and she hasn't had a cavity since then. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. It, it's not from diabetes directly, but it is indirectly from it. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And now it's, it's also a hard thing, that overnight component. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that part up because who overnight really, even as an adult, a knowledgeable adult. Who wants to treat their low blood sugar and then, oh, yep, got to go to the, the, the bathroom. I got to brush my teeth. I got to floss because right. I chewed on gummy bears or mm -hmm. I ate the juice or whatever. Nobody wants to do that at 2 o'clock in the morning. Right, right. I don't want to do that at 2 o'clock in the morning. No, I mean, you've already – and I do know some people keep water next to their bed just to swish to at swish. least to try to – and that's better than sure. nothing, right? But yeah, sure. to your point – I mean, you're going to drink juice and then go brush your teeth and then imagine 15 minutes later you get low again and you drink some more juice and you're brushing your teeth again. And, and at the right. same time, you know, to avoid a cavity, maybe it's not a bad idea. But I mean, I, you know, I'm supposed to take like one over-the-counter antacid before I go to bed at night. And mm -hmm. sometimes I'll brush my teeth and then I'll take it and I'll be like, oh, what did I do that for? And now I go I back and brush, you know, and it doesn't happen to me constantly. It happens every once in a, you know, a great while. Um right. Okay. Well, that's a big question. I'm skipping right over that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Next time. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to that one later. But that's a huge question. That's not a that's not an ask Scott and Jenny. That's a that's a bigger one. Um That's an episode one. It, it is a complete episode and I don't know that I have an answer to any of it. So, um that that's one. a you need an appointment to discuss this yeah, thoroughly yeah. and fully. And, and right? a therapist and six friends. Oh, um, no. oh, see, Chris here says that I should just say water a couple of times so you can make fun of my accent. Uh, he doesn't care what we talk about during Ask Scott and Jenny as long as I say water. And by the way, I've noticed I've never brought it up. But when Jenny accesses her brain, so when I ask her a question, she accesses her brain to think of it. Her left eye closes more than her right eye. And I wonder if she Does knows that. Really? Yeah, I don't <laughs> think she knows that. I don't know it's, that. It's almost like she's a super villain and she's got information somewhere and she's like, hmm. And she pulls it right out because... <laughs> For you guys listening, like I don't tell Jenny this stuff. Of, like I'm just throwing questions at her, and you, she's like, "Okay, answer." This you is know. like on the spot. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's it's like a driver's test, but you're driving in a car, and you know they're like, "Turn now, turn now." Um, That's really funny. I've never noticed that. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. So here's one that I think we could finish up our time with. Is there in your mind because you deal with everybody? in the, you know, who uses all kinds of different pumps mm -hmm. and obviously you use Omnipod and that's to you the best for you, but, for me. It, but is it the best for you? Or if I got you secretly off in a corner, is it the one you think if I made you the king of the world, would you put one on everybody or no? And what are the pros and cons of the other pumps at all of them actually? Yeah, this is actually a great question because I think it's also um, a big part of the reason that oftentimes people end up coming to work with us is because we 
we don't push to one specific direction mm -hmm. when somebody comes to us and says, hey, you know, I'm considering a pump coming from MDI or, hey, I've been on this pump for like eons. And do you think that there's something that would be better for me? Should I be considering this one? Should I be considering this one? What's coming out? What's, you know, which company is heading development and kind of moving the fastest and blah, 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 blah. Um, I... I personally would, I've got reasons for staying on Omnipod right now, okay. which, you know, um, <laughs> and there, I mean, the reasons really are such that it provides me with a system <laughs> mm -hmm. that uh, allows me to get the best management. So, so Jenny is talking around something so I can put ads on my episode. Correct. Yeah. So, um, so uh, I'm trying really hard. Thank you. <laughs> Um, if, if that wasn't a potential, I would say put on the spot about another pump that I would consider changing to, I would consider changing to tandem. I would. Okay. Right. Um, I think they are being the newest pump company of the three that are currently on the market. I think tandem has stepped up. They've done a fantastic job of development, of making a product that's user-friendly, touchscreen, small, mm -hmm. convenient to use. Um, and they're continuing to quickly move ahead with their technology. Yeah. They're, they're trying to bring to the table management that can help mm -hmm. people better. They, they are. Um, so, it, it, I mean, if I had to choose, you know, within the next month because my current setup was no longer going to be available to me, right. I, I would say, yeah, I, I'll, I'll choose tandem. Okay. I like it. A and so what you think tandem brings overpowers the tubeless nature of Omnipod for you? Uh, that's the only drawback. Mm -hmm. I can definitely say the tubeless nature of Omnipod is a huge step above the other two companies on the market. Mm -hmm. But from, I feel like that tubeless piece is, it's more aesthetic. It really is. Okay. It's something that I, as an adult, I can get over it. I don't, I don't love tubing by mm -hmm. any means, um, but I can get over it if a system provides me with something that helps my management. The tube versus non-tubed, I, I don't really think it has anything to do with what I get from a control perspective, mm -hmm. right? It's more my lifestyle that the tubeless is huge benefit for but I can deal with the tubing if it means the pump provides me with what I need for good management. Okay. Gun to your head right now, though. Pick a pump. Omnipod. Omnipod. Oh, okay. But, <laughs> but Tandem's a good second for you. Tandem is a good second. And I hate, you know, saying, I mean, Medtronic's been on the market a long time. They're, they're also, it's a really good pump. It truly is. But for... I think for a fair number of people with the current system they have on the market, I've got a lot of people I work with who they like their Medtronic pump, but they choose to use a different CGM because their CGM is just not meeting the mark for many people, right. myself included. I, I The pump was okay. It was fine to use. It was a tubed pump. It did what it was supposed to do, blah, blah, blah. But their sensor has never worked for me. 
So, you know, from an all around encompassing, that's why I, I said, you know, if I had to choose because I no longer could use my Omnipod, I would choose Tandem because at least it still connects and works with Dexcom. Okay. If so. Omnipod adds, um, say the FDA goes to phone control and that's okay, mm-hmm. that pretty much levels the playing field and tilts it towards Omnipod for you away from Tandem. Like if you get that uh, same kind of like one screen touchy feeling from it. The one screen touchy feeling, getting rid of a PDM that feels like. You're carrying a thing. Yeah. I'm carrying like a thing around. Like it's even bigger than most glucometers now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, the new ones, you're, so you're, you're, you're stuck with the PDM, the PDM because of what you're doing. And yeah. so, and, and right. So the dash is smaller, right? But still yeah. it's, you're carrying an extra thing. But and I think too this this whole question becomes moot probably within the next ten twelve months right like when when Horizon you know if if Horizon comes out and and the other companies are going to uh, you know they're going to make their changes again and it's just a lot of stuff is right. going to change the insulin right. pumps are going to change a lot in the next year and year and a half I think we hope. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, those are their timelines, right? Like, or right. what if it all comes out and you're just like, eh, sort of the same. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oopsie. I do know that there are, there are definite nuances between the three, what are considered kind of those hybrid control, hybrid closed loop systems with the FDA approved pumps, mm-hmm. right? I mean, 670G is already out. Control IQ hopefully will be out sometime soon. Even that compared to Medtronic, it's different. The system will work a bit differently. Yeah. The, you know, what it does for you will be a bit different. And Horizon, from everything I know about it, which isn't a heck of a lot, um, it will also have its specific pieces that are different compared to Control IQ and 670G. So I think each system will do something better than a current conventional pump does. Um, But, you know, you'll have to figure out which one is best for you. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of choosing. And I think, too, you know, I can say that um, what I thought was really cool, what Omnipod said was, look, when when our Horizon system comes out, we're going to have an algorithm. But if you want to use the tide-pooled algorithm, then use that one. Like, they don't care which algorithm you use, which I think is a... is a, a huge tr- uh, step towards trying to give you choice. Now, having said that, I don't exactly know when tide pool is going to make it through the FDA either. So there's a lot happening. And at the same time, it's unsure. It's uncertain until it actually happens. So, all right. Uh, well, that was good. I have a bazillion more for next time. Okay. Okay is right, Jenny. Thank you so much, Jenny Smith, for coming on the juice box podcast and sharing your wealth of knowledge with everyone. Don't forget you can hire Jenny at integrateddiabetes.com or right there in the show notes is her email address. You can just send her an email. Thank you so much to the sponsor, Contour Next One Meter. This is Arden's blood glucose meter. It is terrific and it can be yours. Click on the links in the show notes. Go to juiceboxpodcast.com. If you don't have show notes that you can find, by the way, you do. You just might not know how to get to them. Or you can go to Contour Next One to see if you're eligible for a free Contour Next One meter. Mm-hmm. This meter's great. I swear to God, it's amazing. Hey, you're thinking like it's just the blood sugar meter, but no, it's the bomb diggity.
Hey friends, couple of things coming up on February 16th. I will be speaking at the Type 1 Nation event in Dallas. He says, questioning whether or not he knows where he'll be. Let me click on the link. You can go to juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, click on events, and you'll see these there. Uh, Type 1 Nation Summit, North Texas, they call it. Uh, The Greater Dallas and Greater Fort Worth, Arlington chapter. This event is on Sunday, February 16th. I'm doing a one-hour talk there about being bold with insulin. You can also see me coming up in Atlanta, Georgia. Saturday, Saturday, September. I said September. Let's try again. On Saturday, February 29th, I am doing a ton of speaking there that day. I'll be speaking at a bunch of different sessions, and one of my sessions will actually be with Jenny. Jenny and I are going to do a Q&A together. That'll be fun. Come out and witness Jenny and I meet each other in person for the first time. You can still get tickets. There's links again here on my page. I'm going to be at the JDRF in Wisconsin on March 26th. It's a Thursday night from, I think, 5 to 8.30 p.m. It's just three solid hours of me chit-chatting about the stuff on the podcast. Show up at 5, leave at 8.30, a new person. While we're rolling through the events, Saturday, May 30th, at Touched by Type 1 in Orlando, Florida. And I will be at the Type 1 Nation event in Virginia. That's Richmond, Richmond, Virginia, August 22nd. That's a long time from now. I just had to turn one down the other day that broke my heart. I wanted to do it so badly but it conflicted with the date I had something set up on already, but we're trying to figure out something else to do uh, so I can come out. I can't tell you where, cause you'll all be bummed out. And they really wanted me there and I wanted to come. So I, you can't be like, you know, you can't be like up their butts about it or anything like that. They really tried. It was my fault. My schedule didn't link up, but I so wanted to go. I love that part of the country. Okay, uh, so yeah, juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the bottom, click on events, get yourself tickets. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a terrific weekend. I hope I see you at one of the live events. I can't tell you how much it means to me that you are listening to the podcast and sharing it with other people. January is well on its way to being the most downloaded month of this podcast. So that's because of you guys, and I really very much appreciate it all the effort you put into getting the word out about the Juicebox podcast. I'll talk to you soon.